All right. Hi, folks. Uh, I'm sports editor Steve Lyons. I'm here with uh, sports columnist Mike McIntyre. We're here to do our uh, bi-weekly podcast. We call it Jet Cetera. This is episode six, Mike. Can you imagine? A half dozen, yeah. <laughs> on the sixth day of Christmas. Half dozen. I nice that I just bought a half dozen shortbread cookies. Oh, <laughs> isn't it? Tis the season. That's all I'm thinking about really is shortbread. Um, but I guess we have to talk hockey. We do, can yes. Can we not just talk shortbread? Well, there, there's, I guess, a lot to talk about from the We could do that in the overtime or the et cetera, Sure, perhaps. we'll talk about our favorite Christmas baking. Deal. Okay, <laughs> let's get on to other things, though. The Jets played a game. Last night, which was uh, Tuesday night, for those of you who are listening a week from now. <laughs> or any time, really. <laughs> right. Uh, they lost 6-3 to the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, let's touch on that game a little bit first before what was kind of the big news of the day yesterday, which was the potential return of Dustin Bufflin. Um, the Jets got uh, uh, whacked last night. They did. 6-3, right? Um uh, as you point out to me this morning, they're about to get tested by some good teams coming up here. Uh, six of their next eight games are versus playoff teams. Um, since November the 1, I, I, I chatted with Wiesek about this in the Say What last week. Since November the 1, November the 1, that's a common That is, I like that. That's how you say it, isn't it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> the 1 of November. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, the team has uh, uh, won a lot of games since November the 1st. <laughs> That's how you properly say it. Against lesser opponents. They've, they had a couple of wins over Dallas. Uh, they had a win over Vegas. And they had a recent win over the Flyers. All those teams are kind of... the Dallas, Vegas, and the Flyers are playoff teams. They're kind of right on the edge. They've, they've had two games, though, since November the one. Uh, where they played uh, top-tier teams. I'm going to call them that. One, they got whacked at home by the Colorado Avalanche 4 nothing, And last night they got whacked, as I said, by the Carolina Hurricanes 6-3. Um, is this something to be concerned about with the Jets? Are well, they a mid-level team that actually does well against mid-level teams and, and the lesser lights, but they're not going to compete against top-tier teams? Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you can also say at times they've actually played down to their opposition too this year. They've lost right, to, they the lost to the Red Wings. They've yeah. lost to the Devils. Right. They've lost twice to the Los Angeles Kings. Right. I think those, last time I checked, those are the three worst teams in the league, and the Jets are... They like, like it just in the middle. One and four, yeah. They seem to play well against sort of middling competition. Mm-hmm. Um, not so good about against inferior competition, and so far not so good against elite competition. It's a small sample size. It right? is. Yeah. Um, you know they're gonna. They, they had a real soft stretch lately. I think seven of their last nine prior to the Carolina game were against non-playoff teams, mm-hmm. uh, and they had a pretty nice record in those nine games. But yeah, zero and one now in this eight-game stretch. Um, I guess it lightens up a bit. They get the Chicago Blackhawks Thursday night. They're not very good. They're also going to be coming in on a back-to-back. They're playing Wednesday night uh, against Colorado. Then they get the Minnesota Wild, who currently are right on the bubble, but they've actually been one of the hottest teams in the league. That'll be a a good test on the road Saturday. It always is. They haven't done well against the Wild lately either. Right. Right. Uh, They seem to own them. And uh, and then it really gets tough. I mean, they get Montreal right before Christmas. Where where I think we're really going to learn something about this Jets team is just after Christmas, a home-and-home with the St. Louis Blues, defending Stanley Cup champs, looking again like an elite team in Colorado on New Year's Eve. Uh, and then right at, right into the new year, they get Toronto twice, uh, who seem to be coming on now after the coaching change. They get the Boston Bruins, uh, a real powerhouse. So 
the Jets could look a lot different in a few weeks from now if they can't find a way to, to start getting some points against some good opponents. And it's going to get tougher, Steve. I mean, they, they, they've they taken a couple of hits here injury-wise. Uh, the Jets, I thought, were rolling three lines pretty well over the last few weeks. I heard last night 16 straight games with the, the same, same top nine forwards. Right, which yeah. is... Um, uh, that's a good thing when mm-hmm. you can have that kind of consistency. Uh, but, of course, Matthew Pro gets uh, whacked in the head the other day, and he's looks like he's got a concussion. We don't know how long he's going to be out. And now Andrew Kopp. Um, I'm not a doctor, but uh, that looked concussion-like. The way he crashed into the boards last night, he looked pretty dazed on the bench, left the game. All of a sudden, two-thirds of a, a really effective third line are gone. Uh, and that line looks a whole lot different when you've got Nick Shore or Logan Shaw or Gabriel Bork skating with Adam Lowry. Um, that's not so good. No, and, and it really and it really affects your fourth line as well. Too, it right? does, which they barely plays. They were getting a fourth, a fourth They line were. Line so again. now you've pulled guys up from there. Um, you're having to dip into the farm system. Uh, and really, in a way, you're now a two-line team, uh, which isn't very good. And, and your most effective checking group is gone. And I think we saw that against Carolina. Like, their stars absolutely had a field day last night. The Sebastian Ajos, Andre Svechnikov, Nino Niederreiter, um, Tevo Teravayan, they've got some real skill on that team. And they were kind of left unchecked as the game went on. And you saw what they were able to do against the Jets. So uh, that's a real problem because the Jets are going to run into a lot of teams that have a lot of stars coming up. And if they can't find a way to neutralize them, uh, they could be in for a bit of a rough ride here. So one thing that came up yesterday, in our, and we reported uh, that we've uh, learned that uh, Dustin Bufflin is uh, rehabbing his injury under the supervision, <coughs> we think, of of the hockey team. And right, certainly with input. With input. So this potentially let, – let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about Dustin Bufflin. I mean, you had a column today about how the leadership has changed in the locker room without Bufflin there. Um, we wrote a story saying that Bufflin might come back. Um, the comments on our stories on our website and some of the, the, the feedback on Twitter that I read yesterday and this morning, people are mixed. Yeah. Fans are certainly mixed on whether they think having Dustin Bufflin back is a good idea or not. Um, I suspect the Jets would be mixed. Well, it, it sounds like it's... it's but, I mean... I don't. I, I don't know the all the intricacies of the inside the locker room domain. None of us really know that for sure. But here is a guy who, uh, on the ice, anyways, um, is certainly better than uh, you know several of the current Winnipeg Jets defensemen, and and certainly would be impactful. Um, if he was to, in, in, in a good way or a bad way, right? Um, you know, towards the trade deadline, I mean, this would be quite an acquisition it would be, for them, wouldn't it? Without having to give anything yeah, up, yeah, I, I, I um, think so. I think it'd be a good thing to have him back in the lineup. Yeah, and you'd have presumably you'd have Dustin Bufflin who doesn't have any mileage on him, certainly from this season. Right. He hasn't played a lot of hockey even last season. He only right. played half the year. Uh, for a guy at his age and, and in, maybe in his conditioning, that's not a bad thing, right? We've seen that other teams have done that with some success. 
Scott Niedermeyer did it with the Anaheim Ducks yeah. years ago. Uh, Justin Williams, there's he will talk. Be doing it this year, right? Yeah. Mike yeah. Fisher did it with yeah. Nashville a couple years ago. Kind of sat out part of the season, then came back. And that may almost be we hear the load management term in the NBA that Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors kind of made famous. I mean, it may become a new trend with older players who are nearing the end of their career, almost saying, "Why am I going to put myself through 82 games of?" Of you know run of the mill kind Other of than stuff for that millions of dollars. Well, sure, yeah, and yeah, I mean yeah. Bufflin, and of course that <laughs> may be the source of some arbitration. But I mean on the story itself, I think it's a good sign that that relations, which let's face it, look like they got pretty frigid between the Jets and Bufflin, it would seem to indicate maybe they're thawing a little bit. I think it's also noteworthy. He's been here the whole time. He has. People so, should know that that this, it wasn't. It isn't like he's fled the city and he's been living in Minnesota. Taking I mean, selfies with fans yeah, when he runs into them. He's at, got a house at, here. At his stores, kids go to school, go to school here. So he's hunting he, and right, I mean, all of that, yeah. I, I know somebody just ran into him at a lodge in Verdon a couple of weeks ago and all smiles. So uh, I heard he just bought a snowmobile. Um, so you know he's he's still living like he's yeah, uh, like a Winnipeg, like, like a Winnipeg jet, yeah, embracing. Yeah. Yeah. Our winter, like let's face it, he's a guy who kind of loves this this our weather and our our landscape. I mean, not it's not for everybody, but a guy like Dustin Bufflin, who could pretty much live anywhere in the world, yeah. right, with his money, made yeah. fifty million dollars in his career. He likes it here. Um, so the fact the Jets have been consulted, the fact that he's following a treatment plan that the Jets had input in, to me, that's a great sign. I think it's also a good sign that there has been no arbitration hearing date set. This should have been a matter of some urgency, and yet no date's been set, which tells me maybe a, a hearing won't even be needed. Maybe there's a belief that this could all get worked out amicably. Um, I still believe he's weeks away from being sort he, of playing he, 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 ready. Even but if he's healthy, it's going to take him, you know, everybody seems to suggest it's going to take weeks for him to get for on sure. the ice and all that. So. But um, it's been a it's been a storyline, uh, uh, right <laughs> which we will continue to monitor for sure. Interesting times. Have it. So thank you for that, Dustin Bufflin. All right, we're back for the second period, folks. Is that how it goes? Is there a buzz? Or something? There was a buzz. Yeah, a buzz? we don't hear it. I should uh, probably listen. to That, that was a really watch, bad buzz, though. <laughs> Can we have that? Edited you uh, out, you have yeah. no future as a, a uh, voice artist or oh, oh, great. <laughs> I'm not sure what I have a future doing then. Um, okay, so um, uh, another story that came up this week, uh, Mike, was the Paul Maurice going to Seattle yeah. to coach the expansion team. When they when do they start? They start not next season, but, but the, the season, season following, 2021-22. Okay. So the connection being somebody, some journalist, we love to make these connections, some journalist somewhere, made the connection that potentially Paul Maurice would come and join Ron Francis there. Uh, Francis, of course, played for Paul Maurice in Carolina. And then coached with him. And then coached with him. Um, they, Paul Maurice raves about Ron Francis sure. and vice versa. There's well, a mutual. Paul Maurice raves about a lot of people. He does. He's not going to work with all of them, is he? <laughs> no. Um, so um, he was asked about it this week as to whether he would go to Seattle. He pretty much said, no, I love it here. Another guy who seems to love it here in Winnipeg. He's building a house. He's building a house. He is okay. building a house. And, so. um, and said that the only way he would leave Winnipeg would be kicking and screaming. <laughs> Um, that is usually how it ends, though, for most <laughs> coaches, right? We've seen five coaches kind of dragged out kicking, kicking and, and screaming, screaming this yeah. year as well. They I wish don't... somebody would drag me out kicking and screaming. Can I find security to do that? Yeah, please. Like, um, take me out of here. I think what what's fueling it a little bit is the fact 
it's it's a little vague about what his actual current contract status right. is. Typical True North, they don't give really any information. They certainly don't release information about their their coaching contract and the status. All we know is that Paul Maurice got re-upped uh, a couple seasons ago, multi-year extension. They didn't quantify how many years multi-year Correct. was. There is a belief that it was a three-year re-uppance, which would take you to the end of this season, provided that he was that he, that he had nothing left on his existing contract. If but, he had a right, year left, then maybe there's a year. Right. Uh, so Elliot, we really don't know whether he's going to be done. His contract is up well, at the end of this year or the end of next year. So Elliot Friedman, or the year after. Elliot Friedman reported back at the Heritage Classic that that that, that this was his last year, and yeah. it was curious the Jets hadn't uh, extended him yet. The Kevin Chevalayoff wouldn't comment about the report. Um, but Paul Maurice, if you read between the lines of what he said the other day when asked about it, he he essentially confirmed that he's in his final year because he, he made a comment about how he's in the same situation right now that he was in when he took over for Claude Noel uh, back in 2014. And if you recall that situation, when the Jets brought him in mid-season, they didn't sign him to a one or no, two or three year deal. It was just, let's ride this out, we'll yeah. reevaluate. Sounds like that's what the agreement here has been, that they'll wait and see till the end of this year. It also sounds like that's something Maurice was was good with. In fact, he may have actually pushed for it. I, I wrote the other day that it's almost as if, in a way, he's betting on himself. A, a term we've seen used, guys like Patrick Laine, right? The old, you know, take a shorter deal, bet on yourself. In Paul Maurice's case, you'd think after two straight playoff seasons, he would have been in line for an extension in this past off season. We know though last season didn't exactly end the way he or the Jets would have liked. They faded down the stretch. They sort of crashed and burned in the first round. So did everybody get together and say, you know what, rather than extend you now, let's let's see how this current season plays out. Yeah, I don't think that everybody was completely enamored with Paul Maurice at the end of last season. Some players weren't. No, certainly much more now. He's getting a lot of credit for the the, the success the team is having early in this season but uh there's a possibility and again we don't know for sure that that maybe they said you know what let's see how you do this year then right you know they might have canned them in the middle this year if they if they were if their record was flipped they were 12 20 and 2 right yeah you think a different story right now he'd be on his way to seattle well and then there's the fact that he is the second most tenured head coach in the nhl um you know, this is a league that flips coaches all the time. I, I was looking back. I mean, we know there's been five coaching changes this year, which is one-sixth of the league, and we're only in mid-December. That's in, incredible. Uh, there's actually been 12 coaching changes since the end of last season. Like, 12 of the current coaches behind NHL benches right now were not the coaches when last season ended. Having said that, you brought this up. Mark Chipman and is very different loyal to a fault some would say as opposed to some of these other nhl owners and i would suggest that chipman is probably going to stick with maurice and shovel day off longer than he should and i'm not saying that he shouldn't stick with them now i'm not saying that but if there was a point where maybe it was time for them to go i would suggest he'd stay with them longer like it would be like the David Poyle, barry trot thing in nashville that went on for (laughs) 17 years right it did and and, uh you know you always look for signs with coaches and obviously win loss record is kind of the the telltale sign um but i think there's other things as well and you you look our players tuning out the message is the message getting stale and maybe at times towards the end of last year you could have made an argument that 
uh-oh, this is starting to, to wear thin, it would certainly seem this year. I mean, credit to Paul Maurice, the old, you know, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Not that Paul Maurice is an old dog, but he's been around 22 seasons. He seems to have embraced some changes to some of the systems that he's he's running. I mean, he can be stubborn to a fault. Most coaches probably you could say the same thing about, but he seems to have made some changes this year, which maybe better suit the personnel that the Jets have. Um, yeah, for sure. He's had to. I, I, I would give him a lot of credit for game planning sure. and using the talent that he has this season in a way that's been very effective. And yeah. just reading the tea leaves, the players, I mean, I'm sure you could find exceptions to this, but the players seem to genuinely enjoy playing for him. Blake Wheeler's on the record as saying, I'd go through a wall for mm-hmm. him. Um, that's a pretty strong endorsement from your captain. Uh, so... In that sense, I suspect Paul Maurice is is probably here, I don't want to say as long as he wants to be here, but I don't think the end is near in any way, and that's where this Seattle speculation came in. They need a coach, Ron Francis is there, Paul Maurice uh, doesn't have a contract likely beyond this season, so the speculation begins. He was pretty quick to quash it. I suspect Seattle's going to have to look elsewhere for their first bench boss. One, I just want to get to one quick thing before we end this period, Mike. Last night there was a goal scored <laughs> in the game. Uh, the gentleman, Andre Svechnikov, thank you, um, scored a goal where he took the puck and he wrapped it around and scored like a lacrosse goal. This is the second time this young 19-year-old has done this this year. Um my feeling straight up is that should be not allowed. That, that should not be a goal. Absolutely not. This is hockey, not lacrosse. And that if you do something like that with, it should be almost, in my opinion, that should be not a legal play. Like that you could wrap it around right. like that. I, I get that you're really talented and that you could do that. But it just seemed to me, for me, old school here, that that went against the spirit of the game. Has it, anybody said anything like well, that? Well, I got some comments on Twitter, yeah. uh, folks saying that that shouldn't be allowed. This is hockey, not lacrosse. Right. Um, the fact that this had never been done in the NHL until this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's because nobody thought of it. It, it, it does. Been done in junior before. It had. It, yeah. it was. It was actually yeah. known as the Michigan, right? Because the Michigan Wolverines, a player, did it years ago mm-hmm. in in NCAA, and that was the only time it had been done. Now they're saying it should be known as the Svechnikov. It's like carrying. It's like a travel. Let's call it a travel well, lane or something. Like or that. how about right. a high? You know, you can't score a goal right. with your stick above your shoulders, right? right? If you deflect a goal, it's a high stick. It doesn't count. The way Svechnikov picks the puck up with his stick and then sort of lassoes it around mm-hmm. the net, you, in a sense, he's using a high stick because he's got the puck on the stick and it's yeah, quite it's high. Over his it's probably not over or the crossbar. Or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> you know, I don't think we're going to see a lot of I – mean, maybe we'll see players start doing this. I know – my goodness, I've coached minor hockey, uh, my kid for over 10 years – uh, on practices, I'd see kids trying this sort they of do thing. It in practice, yeah. They do, and not with really any success. But I mean, you know the way it is. These things go viral now. This video of Svechnikov. I mean, the kids. There'll be kids trying it out on the the outdoor rinks tonight. I guarantee. Right. right. Uh, and then probably trying to pull it off in a game. Um, you know, I guess you tip your hat in a way because it's a, it's a highly skilled play. It's not easy to do. Um, uh, I don't know. Is it? I mean, the, you know, like I'm sure these guys can do a lot of things with a stick and a puck on their stick and play around. I guess the difference around. with like a, it's like a golf ball bouncing it up and down for like, sure. Which super these guys, hard, but 
pros can do it of course, easily, right? I mean, but there's no scoop on a hockey stick like a lacrosse right, I guess. stick that you can just pick the ball up. Like I thought it was cheap. I just think it's a cheap goal, and never mind the tripping of Adam Lowry before it. <laughs> right. That's a whole other matter. Those things happen in hockey. But it, to me, it just cheapens the game when you when you have these flipping, you know, flipping around the puck like that in a goal. Yeah. I mean, I like the creativity, um, but I, I do see the argument that it's not really a hockey play. Okay, folks, we're back for the third period, or as we commonly refer to it on this show as the Cetra of the program. We should get a sponsorship sponsorship from Pet Cetra, <laughs> the pet supply store. Right. Can you imagine, like, Jet Cetra bought, brought to you by Pet Cetra? <laughs> nice. Uh, Can we get our advertising department on that? Right away. We're on it. Um, so um, these are non-jet uh, subjects that we usually talk about. And we were so we were talking about Paul Maurice and his contract situation. The other head coach in town here, or one of the other head coaches in town here, uh, uh, Mike O'Shea, did get a new contract. He also uh, coached all this season in the final year of a contract. Lame duck, yeah. Lame duck, as, as they were Didn't seem to, to hurt him. It or... didn't, no. <laughs> <laughs> Although winning a, yeah, winning a great cup will help you get a new contract. Kyle Walters, the general manager, also got a new contract. Um, I would suggest that this is all a good thing for the Bombers. Um, I've liked the continuity of the trio of Wade Miller, Kyle Walters, and Mike O'Shea. I've not always been a huge fan. The Canadian Mafia. Of the Canadian Mafia. We had a couple of readers who didn't really like that term. As a oh, because Mafia yeah. infers yeah. something nefarious? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek term we've used. The Bombers actually used it first. They embraced it. They did, but a couple Where'd of people... They, what's the origin of that, by the way? Who called that? them that? No idea. I tried to was, find that wasn't out. Wasn't it another coach or somebody... I thought somebody made some offhand comment last season Canadian. about them. So, anyways, yeah. we got the Canadian Mafia, which is Wade Miller, uh, Kyle Walters, and Michael Shea. As I said, I've not always been a huge fan of Kyle Walters with some of his moves, but you know they won a great cup. They broke this drought, and so they certainly deserved uh, new contracts. Um, the Zach Kolaris move alone would probably be. Yeah. Yeah, it took a while, and and it, it happened. So just, <laughs> just in the nick of time. Just in the nick of time. So all right, they Kyle. probably don't win the Great Cup. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle Walters deserves a new contract. Um, so uh, the continuity is good here. Uh, we haven't had continuity with the Bombers for quite some time. Um, I think that what they've brought, they've brought a certain type of football here over the last six years. Um, they are poised to compete for some period of time, I think. They have good people working. They did lose somebody really, really good, though, uh, in Paul Apolise, who got a job as the new head coach of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Red Blacks, yeah. It's funny how yeah. I have to think about what the Ottawa football right. team's nickname <laughs> is. They've been a few different things. Um, so I'm not sure what's ahead for their coaching staff, or whether they would promote Buck Pierce, Buck Pierce yep. to offensive coordinator. I don't know if that's a great idea personally. Um, Buck is a, was a great quarterback and uh, I think has become a good coach. I'm, I I don't know that. Does Mike O'Shea take on a bigger role just in calling? An offense? Yeah, I mean, that Does obviously wasn't his specialty, right? Um, I don't know. So there's He'd some probably questions. probably tell you it does. <laughs> there's some questions. Um, and this, there are some questions, and the big question for the Bombers uh, right now now is quarterback. There's, uh, who's going to be the quarterback of this team next year? 
There seems to be a lot of speculation that Paul Apolise is probably going to bring Matt Nichols with him to Ottawa. Um, I would think. Go ahead. Right. I mean, I, I would think when you look at the three free agents, Caleros, Strevler, Nichols, Nichols is probably the one that would be third on that list, right, in terms of, yeah, of priority? I mean, it's hard to say with these three. They all have issues. I mean, they Nichols do. has injuries issues, and Zach Kalara certainly has injury issues. He might issues. be one hit away exactly, from. Exactly, you know, and, and then Chris Strevler is, you know, has not proven that he can play as a regular throwing quarterback. Do you know what I mean? So at they this, all they all have issues. Yeah. At this point, though. I still like you, the guy in Calgary is the backup. Yeah, um, Arbuckle? Yeah. At this point, you almost have to bring Chris Strebler back, don't you? Like, he's <laughs> so, he's he's a, a cult hero in this town now. Like, yeah, I get that. I mean, just just for the, the, the ticket sales, the promotion end of it. Right. If you're in the Bombers... Um, yeah, he's not going anywhere. He's going to be your number. But I, I don't see him right. as the starting quarterback. But no, he's not going but anywhere. But the two-headed yeah. monster, as it yeah, sort of it came to be known, with yeah. him and whether it's Caleros or... I mean, I, I'd rather I, have Kalaros than Nichols, though. Yes, For and sure. I, I think the Bombers yeah. would agree. Um, and it seems that he's Caleros is very open to to re-signing here. I don't uh, know that he has a whole bunch of other options. People were speculating about how, you know, like he's going to go back to Southern Ontario because that's he has a home there, et cetera, et cetera. Um, there's nothing written in stone that now Ryan Didwitty, who's the head coach of the Toronto right. Argos, wants Zach Caleros. Right, and and you know they. Uh, I think the Bombers are probably putting a priority on getting Strevler and Claros. That that would be my take, that Nichols is an afterthought. And as you say, I mean, go on to Ottawa if that's what – he's now had two straight seasons with a, a, a major injury, right? That's and significant, though. And being for paid sure. The high, so you wonder, like, yeah. what's – he probably has to take a pay cut, doesn't he? Like his next contract? Uh, he would here. Yeah, for um, sure. I don't uh, know what they would do in Ottawa. Yeah, maybe yeah. they'll overpay him. I mean, a desperate. if you're desperate to bring in a name. They uh, had no quarterbacks last year. Right, Ottawa, and, yeah. and, and it killed them. Dominic, so somebody. Sure, and I suspect the familiarity that La Police has with them would be a real sell for Nichols. And, and uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think the Bombers, if they could get Zach Kolaris, but the Arbuckle thing is very interesting. I agree. I, should, I don't think you should close off the other possibilities. No, I agree. Just because Zach Kolaris had a five-game, six-game run, um, I, I don't think you should just assume that he's going to be uh, healthy for the rest of his career now, yeah. Yeah, and the, the Bombers on a number of other free agent fronts, they seem to be making a real effort, to, as you said, about the continuity, which, I mean, I think that was a big part of why they were so successful last season is they brought so many of, of the group back that had failed, which some might say, well, that's not a great move. Why are you bringing back guys that couldn't get the job done? But I think that that was a real motivator for that Bombers group Continuity's last year. Continuity has been really good for this team. And they've already now yeah. locked up a yeah. bunch of guys in the last yeah. week. I mean, yeah. Drew Wolitarski was... the free agency, how about the baseball free agent contract? Oh, boy. Wow. I, I told my mom and dad the other day, I mean, why didn't you guys teach me how to throw a baseball <laughs> better when I was a little kid? Do you see the money that I could have made as a baseball player. It's it, in terms of the wear and tear on your body, it's got to be the easiest sport, right? Well, they say that, but I mean, they still run around and they play every single day. They do. Like, they play every it's a grind day. for they sure. They run around, they throw, they dive for balls. Although if you're a pitcher, you only play every fifth day. That, that's super hard on the arm. It is. Guys' arms fall off. And, you know, 
I think baseball players take a get a bad rap for not right. being fit. Is anybody ever. worth? Would a Garrett Cole just sign though three hundred million dollars? Yeah, thirty six million dollars a year. A year, right? Yeah. For like yeah. a thousand years. I for mean, should should anybody be making that kind of money for throwing a baseball well, every fifth day? No. So they're the yeah, Yankees. So, so what do you do though? Okay, so that's the market though, and so oh, you, I know it's. I've never begrudged athletes for capitalizing. On a capitalist market, for sure. I mean, you know, like Britney Spears makes how much money? Do you know what I mean for doing what? Singing, right? Do you know what I mean? Or I don't know whatever. that she makes Jack, a lot anymore. Or maybe not her, but Jack Nicholson made. <laughs> sure, The Rock is the big sh- money. Sh- sh- he makes a, hundreds of million do- right, dollars for now what? for for doing what? Right, right? for raising mean? his eyebrow. Exactly. Um, so you know, so I know you're a Blue Jay fan. Yes, I'm a Blue Jay fan. Yeah, uh, and it it pains me to see what's happened to the blue jays they, they should have all this money right they're they're owned by a media conglomerate they, are. they have a they, bunch of young positional players i read once somebody in the know or whatever basically said that the toronto blue jays are in fact the wealthiest team in baseball right yeah. they certainly don't act like it so they have, they, yeah. They, I mean, they did at one point. At one they point, yeah. they spent, but now they've got all these young positional players. They have no pitching, and to kind of see what's happening around the league, and they're just kind of, they're kind of just playing checkers. Well, I'm not, I'm not necessarily against this, Mike. Um, I think that there's a with the Blue Jays. There's always going to be what I would call a window of opportunity to win, and it's gonna and it's gonna roll like that. And right. I don't think that the window is there right now. I, Might I would, need another couple years. I think they with, need two more years with Bichette and Guerrero. So bring in like a Tanner Rourke, and right, that. it's just to uh, bide uh, some time, right. I guess. Place, eat up some innings, placements or whatever, and just a couple more years, and then they they would then attack the free agent market for some pitching and be able to compete with the Yankees and the Red Sox at that time. That I think. Their strategy has been in Toronto, of course, has been to refurbish their spring training, right. spend money on that. They need to refurbish Rogers Center, and I think that then that they they could attack. I, I'm 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 a patient Toronto Blue Jays fan. Well, we've been waiting since what 1992, <laughs> right. so let's hope that window <laughs> opens soon. Okay, folks, we're back for overtime, and uh, we were discussing what we should talk about. We've decided. We're going to give you our favorite Christmas treats. Now, I've not been, literally give them to you. No, 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 not a chance. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't give, I'm not Keep your hands off them. Yeah, off my treats. So on the weekend, I went to the St. Norbert Farmer's Market yes. looking for Christmas treats. Got the most amazing fruitcake ever. Are you a fruitcake Oh, fan? no. No, not at all. <laughs> you either I really just, love it or you really oh, hate it. Oh, I mean, it's God. great as like a uh, a paperweight. No, but this, I know. See, so you go to the store, you buy these heavy ones at the Sobeys, or, and not that anything wrong with Sobeys ones or whatever, but the one at the market, oh, my God. <laughs> you got to try it. Okay. But what I went for, though, was Vinatarta. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Fan? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Couldn't find any. I was very disappointed. And shortbread cookies, nothing. Today... I stopped at the Tall Grass, tall grass oh, yes. Prairie yeah. on, uh, and, and where everybody knows. And on, is it on Westminster? It's on Westminster. And I got the most amazing. I wish I wish I had a picture of it to show you folks. The most amazing. Are they in your office? Vinatar. No, it's in my car. Oh, mate. okay. Nice try. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to go back to your office Not after we tape this. Right? Yeah. And then the most, they have the most amazing shortbread cookies. So that's my favorite is Vinatar shortbread cookies. You? Uh, so my, my mom's actually made these, they call them dream cookies. They're these 
jam-filled cookies with sort of vanilla icing and sprinkles. They're a Christmas kind of tradition oh, in our family. Is it like an imperial cookie? Uh, sort of. I, I'm not a huge imperial cookie fan. They're smaller. They're okay. way smaller than imperial cookies. Right. Uh, so those are big in our family. Although one year, it's funny, we still joke uh, a bunch of people in our family got sick around Christmas, like all in rapid succession. And we actually blame them on my mom's dream cookies. We joke that it was a bad batch of jam that year that kind of got everybody ill. So that and fudge. I'm a big fudge fan. Fudge. I wow. love fudge. Yeah. Where's the best fudge? The best fudge. My I grandmother made the best fudge. Wow. So you're getting uh, this homemade stuff, okay? Yeah. Lucky right. You. So that's what I was going to say. Like you, you don't make any your, no, yourself. No. no you're I, not. I, a... I love to cook, but I don't do any baking or anything okay. like that. No. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I'll go and buy it from the experts. It is an acquired taste. That best is. fudge ever is in Banff. Oh yeah! Oh, Probably unbelievable! Expensive, ba- right? I, I, Everything's I, expensive in Banff. It's Banff, yeah. The Carolina Hurricanes, <laughs> by the way, just spent like three days in Banff before yeah. they came to Winnipeg. They were having a retreat. Maybe they ate some fudge. I love Banff. It's a be- the down- downtown Banff, the little shops and all that, or whatever for yeah. for treats. Unbelievable. Good stuff. You so got me folks, hungry now. I, I haven't. Yeah. I had a uh, I had a, a, a more I had a muffin from Tallgrass okay. Prairie. With some strawberries. That was my snack before the. <laughs> that was my pregame snack before the podcast. Well, hopefully our listeners, so uh, listeners can indulge in, in over case the holidays. Any of our listeners want to maybe influence influence us yes. on what our favorite treats should be. They could send them to us, couldn't they? Absolutely. Um, Thirteen fifty-five mail. I get a lot of weird mail, <laughs> as you've seen. Steve, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I got a really weird package here. Uh, it did not include That's any a treats. Weird mail too. Yeah, weird mail too. Uh, Stop but sending it, folks. Exactly. So mail. I would much prefer. Don't send your scrapbooks. <laughs> oh, uh, but I would prefer uh, baking treats. over for sure. So yeah, send it send to thirteen fifty five Mountain Avenue. Care of Mike McIntyre. CC Steve, Steve Lyons. Uh, Lyons, Mike McIntyre. Uh, yeah, I hope all our listeners. We're, we're kind of done now till yeah, early twenty twenty. Yeah, have a great. Holidays, Happy New Year, folks, and we'll uh, see you back here in early 2020.